We are all trying to do our best as parents. And as we adopt the wholehearted parenting philosophy, we might encounter resistance from those around us. Today, we're going to give some tips on how to help you in those situations. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one. And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. Okay, I'm going to start with our face palm today, and I kind of have two. One, hay fever and allergies are crazy right now. My family and I are dying, so I'm sorry if I sound so nasally. So face palm to allergies. But my second one, a friend, my friend Ashley shared this, and I thought it was just hysterical. So it's a little um, meme. Mimi, whatever they're called. (laughs) Um, And it says, how to be a mom in 2019. Make sure your children's academic, emotional, psychological, mental, spiritual, physical, nutritional, and social needs are met. While being careful not to overstimulate, underestimate, improperly medicate, helicopter or neglect them in a screen-free, processed foods-free, plastic-free, body-positive, socially conscious, egalitarian, but also authoritative, nurturing, but fostering of independence... (laughs) Gentle but not overly permissive, pesticide-free, two-story, multilingual home, preferably in a cul-de-sac with a backyard, and also don't forget the coconut oil. (laughs) And I was just laughing my head off. And then it says, how to be a mom in any generation before ours, make sure to feed them sometimes. (laughs) And I was just laughing because, man, there are so many pressures to being a parent right now, and we feel all this expectation and guilt and there's so much advice and so we just want to tell you guys we hope that you listen to our podcast if you're listening don't take on any guilt for any way you are parenting or think you need to change take what works for you that's why we say try this or not and really just do what feels good in your gut and and don't stress yeah you're doing it right yeah And we live in a time, the beauty of it is that we have so much information and so much great research that helps us know when we know better, we can do better, but it's easy to become overwhelmed by it. So it's okay. Just you do what you feel. Cause I think there's all times when we hear something or read something and you can feel it in your heart where you're like, yes, Mm -hmm. this is for me. Mm -hmm. This is for my family. This is going to make me truer to myself and truer to my kids. That's what we're going for. That's what we try to share with you guys the stuff that feels like that to us. Yeah. But we never want to just feel like that to add you. to your yeah. list of things that confuse and overwhelm you. So no. don't take everything like yeah. go with in the end what resonates with you. Yep. And leave the rest. And that's yep. fine. Yep. Exactly. Love it. Well, my high five, and actually this is the first time I've ever, you know, I've included my kids in on my high five, but 
I, this isn't even my high five, but I'm going to take the glory <laughs> as the high five, <laughs> but she's in my immediate family, so I think it counts, right? Um, my mom, I'm so proud of her, she has written a book, and it's actually, like, published on Amazon yep. this week, which is so cool. Yep. and illustrated, which and is cool. illustrated it. It's so awesome. Anyway, so that's my, my high five for myself, <laughs> that I am just so proud take of her. That. I think it's so awesome, because, I mean, so many of us have the goal of writing a book, and she has done it, and her book, it applies to probably most people to listen to us her book is called i can't wait to go to the dentist and her name as the author is Jeannie allen so that's j-e-a-n-i-e a-l-l-e-n and um we'll put the link in the show notes but it's all about she's a registered dental hygienist and it's all about like how to make it's to read to your kids to help them be excited about going to the dentist and also gives you some awesome tips on how to actually take care of their teeth and it's so awesome. Anyway, it really it's so good. good. And yeah, I'm so proud so of her. Cute. And I, you know, my kids love it when I read to them, but I'm just so proud of her. So I'm just going to take that high five and feel <laughs> accomplished for her because I, anyway, I think it's so awesome. I love it. It is darling. Okay. So today we are going to talk about, um, when people aren't on board with your parenting philosophies or maybe a situation that you're disciplining. We've had a lot of listener questions about family disagreeing, maybe a spouse who isn't on board or random strangers. And so we're kind of doing this all in compass. We've had a lot of people ask this. So thank you so much for your questions. We love reading them and we, we love answering them. So um, <clears throat> when it comes to parenting philosophies, everybody is going to be totally different. So wherever you go, you're going to encounter different people. So we're going to give you some tips for people who are not so close to you, like maybe someone you meet at the park or someone who watches your kids occasionally, and then people who are close to you. So um, I think, first of all, if you can look at the reason you're guiding, you're choosing to guide your kids in this way. So for me, I hope that through me recognizing their emotions and helping them understand them and accepting them, my kids are going to become more resilient to other circumstances and strong in their emotional health. So when they are out in the situations where a teacher or coach or a friend is um, reacting to them or their emotions in a different way than we do at home, that they are resilient and open to other people's opinions and criticisms of them. So that's why I choose to use these philosophies in my home. So first, if, you, if you're if you feeling that, like, oh, when I send my kids with this babysitter, or if they're going to this summer camp, like whatever it is, we're, we're never going to be able to keep our kids cocooned in our exact parenting philosophy. So just know that you are creating more resilience with your kids' emotions with with wholehearted parenting. So I find peace in that, that mm-hmm. I don't have to change. So for all these people who they're, they're interacting with just occasionally, I just let that go because as long as there's no emotional, physical, mental abuse, right, that's a totally different situation. But if they're just going out to the world and experiencing other people's styles of parenting or discipline, I just know my kid's going to feel confident in themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so I kind of let those go. And I think that's an important distinction to say, we're here talking about differences in philosophy. Yeah. 
not Not verbal, (coughs) you know, emotional, any of those physical kind of abuses. Yeah. We're talking about just differences in philosophy. The way you deal with behavior that you don't, you know, like or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm a part of a lot of different, like, parenting groups, and a question that actually comes up a lot is, so when my kids come back from this situation, in fact, the one that comes actually up the most is, like, if they come back, if they're divorced, and they're, they're coming back from their spouse's house, their ex-spouse's house, and they're totally, like, acting different, Uh and a lot of it, and I think this is just important to know, anytime your kids are going somewhere, and it could be just to a friend's house, it could be wherever, when they come back, sometimes your kids are acting off because it's a transition. Yeah. And it takes kids a while to, like, readjust back to what you're doing. So that, I'm just going to throw that out there, that could be a part of what you're seeing anytime your kids go anywhere, that it's a transition time, which is going to change how they behave. Mm-hmm. But second of all, I do love the idea. This is, if it's like the one main message here is what you do is the thing that you can control. And it's the most important. You as the primary care provider or one of the primary care providers is the most important thing. And there have been, there's been a lot of awesome research about this. I like to think of it as when you're um, teaching your child a language. So say you speak one language and then maybe you live in another country where everywhere else they go, they're learning a different language, which would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I've actually read a lot of studies about what you're speaking in your home. They're going to learn your language. No matter yeah. what anybody else, what other, any other language they hear, they're going to pick up those languages too. Yeah. But they're going to learn yours. You don't have to worry about them not yeah. learning your language. Yeah. And that's, I think, how parenting is. If they know parent. Kids, kids are smart, and they know when I'm with my mom or my dad, these are the ex, these are like the limits that we have, and these are how they're going to help me feel safe and all those kinds of things, and that's what's really important. So in the end, that's the part that you can control, right? Yep, yep. And if if they're going off somewhere, they might come back, and you're the safe zone. They might release a little bit more when they're around you, all those emotions, but that's why you're doing this, right? So they can go out in the world, be resilient, and come back and release to you in the safe place. Because if you make them safe feeling their negative emotions, and then yes, somebody outside totally shames them, Yeah, they're going to be able to at least, they're used to being okay with their own negative emotions. They can process it, especially as they get older and they start getting the vocabulary that you're teaching them. They can say, wow, when my coach said that. I felt this feeling in my gut, and that was shame. Yeah. Wow. And they're yep. able to process it because you've taught them how to do that. So, yep. Anyway. Yep. Okay, so we're just going to give a couple examples that um, from questions. So one that probably happens to a lot of us is you're somewhere with a big group of kids, so a playground or wherever, and um, there's a confrontation between your kid and somebody else's kid. So... Um, with, with respectful, wholehearted parenting, whatever you want to, however you're looking at this, um, our hope is that our kids can solve age appropriate, um, conflict on their own. And we want to give them that opportunity. So they learn it. So, which can be challenging when you're in those situations, because, um, you, you don't want to seem like. I don't even care. Like, just let my kid punch the other kid. That's not what we're going for, right? But it's giving them that confidence of they can solve it on their own. So my favorite thing to do, so obviously if there's punching, biting, hitting, fighting, whatever those things, all the things, you want to intervene because you 
you don't want the kids to just beat up on each other. But if that's not going on, <clears throat> they're having an age-appropriate dispute. My favorite way to handle it is if the other kid has been hurt, I like to acknowledge, I'm so sorry, that must have really hurt. But then my favorite thing to say to the kids or if the parent, if they're there, I think Sam and Bobby are capable of solving this problem on their own. And I feel like that's really, you're not saying it in a condescending way, but you're just saying, I'm giving them this um, power. They, they can do it, and they will learn from doing it. So that's my favorite way to solve dealing with someone that, that's not someone that you have a close relationship with. So um, putting that in the kids' hands that they can solve it. Um, and I think the biggest thing when it comes to other people not close to you is if you can try to let go of feeling responsible to change, one, the other person at all. Like, your goal is to model to your kid um, your philosophy. It's not to try to change anybody else's philosophy, which you can feel that. Like, you can get up on your horse and be like, hmm. You need to be doing this and this. Mm-hmm. And so so let go of that completely. And that's an easy thing to recognize that that happens within us. Anytime we discover totally. something that seems like this is so great, our automatic response is we want we everybody want to, to do it. Yeah. And it comes from a positive space in our hearts. <clears throat> yeah. But sometimes when it starts coming out and we find ourselves trying to, like, in every situation, control the way another parent does does things. Yeah. Yeah. Then that's where it turns into less helpful. Yeah. It's not helpful. Nor really possible. No. Yeah. And so letting go of that. And then also letting go of the feeling within you of a responsibility to change your kids' reactions or emotions in that moment simply because you're around other people. So at home, you would let your sibling, because you've decided you want them to, your kids to solve their problem. So at home, you would let the two brothers solve this specific problem. But because you're on a playground, you're feeling this responsibility for your kid to solve it and say sorry and share and be nice. You're putting all that responsibility on yourself when at home you would let them, you hope they come to all those conclusions on their own, right? But you're not going to force them because forcing them to say sorry, forcing them all those things doesn't change their long-term behavior might change it in the moment. Mm -hmm. So, so try to let go of reacting because you're thinking people are perceiving you in a certain way. Mm -hmm. So as much as somebody else might feel strong about their parenting philosophy, it's okay to feel strong about yours and not feel that, try not to feel that pressure of performance just Mm -hmm. because you're around other people. You don't, yeah. It's the concept of just not being image based not yes. doing what you're doing because you want other people to like, uh, okay, yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm going to do this because then mm-hmm. they're going to think this because I know that's how they feel. Yeah. It's just being true to yourself, really. Exactly. You know? Being authentic with it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a break and then we will come back with some tips about people who are close to you and how to handle those situations. Mm-hmm. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we've talked about just when you come across acquaintances or random people in public, you know, how to how to deal with when other people have different parenting philosophies with you. And that I actually think is the easiest of totally. the situations. Totally. The main questions that we receive are, okay, well, what happens when it's your your own mother who disagrees with your parenting philosophy because they believe that spanking is the best and... Um, really, you know, maybe a hard line or the opposite direction, overly permissive or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a whole range of parenting spectrums. Right. So, um, so again, just a good reminder, I really feel like for the most part, again, take out situations of abuse, everybody's just trying to do their best. They're acting out of love for your kid. So yeah. if you have a mother-in-law or a father or, or your own mother, your grandma, whatever, and they're giving you their opinions and it's totally different from yours and you feel like they're saying you're not being a good parent. Yeah. Just know all you can say is thank you for the feedback. Yeah. In fact, Oh, I have this awesome guy. He's a, like a professional communication teacher. He said, anytime you receive feedback, whether you totally disagree with it or not, but if they say something, you can just say, thank you for your feedback. And that's all. He's like, you don't have to defend yourself. Yeah. You don't have to like make it into a fight. You can just say thank you. And knowing your own self, I'm the parent and I'm making these decisions again. You can go back to your why. I am wholeheartedly parenting because of this reason. I want my kids to grow up feeling safe in who they are with emotional resilience. And I'm setting these healthy, what I consider healthy boundaries because I also want them to learn self-regulation and be able to behave well in the world. Yeah. So you can go back to your why and just know anytime anybody gives you their opinion, you just say, thank you for your feedback. And that's Uh all, you don't have to say anything else. It's actually quite liberating when you realize that like, Oh, I don't have to say anything else. I can just say, thank you. Knowing that they're, they're giving you their best thing because they think their way was the best. Yep. And they may not have read the stuff that you've read or, and they're also not the parents of your kids. Anyway, um, so that's just like a good thing to remember. Um, now also we could, this can also apply to your spouse though, or your partner who's in the home with you. So all these people, we're going to call them in the primary care provider circle. So obviously those who live in the home with you. So your spouse or partner, that would be a, you know, you guys are primary care providers, but then we're talking about grandparents, nannies, somebody who's literally giving your kid a lot of time we're going to put them in your circle. Although mm-hmm. they're not considered primary care providers often, unless you have a nanny who's there, you know, regularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're still in that circle and they're still a huge part of your kid's life. Mm-hmm. So, um, in fact, I've actually seen questions from people where it's like, well, my mom watches my uh-huh. kid during the day. Uh-huh. So I'm wanting her to feel appreciated that she's helping me out. But at uh-huh. the same time, I'm wanting her to, you know, I just want her to understand this philosophy so that, because again, you can't force her to adopt the philosophy. Yeah. So the question is, what in that situ- What do you do in that situation? You have somebody you love; they're great. You want them to be part of your kid's life. It isn't like you're like, oh, I want to take them out of my kid's life. But they just do things way differently than you think is the is the best way. So one option is my personal favorite option is 
um, podcasts. You can share. So obviously, Felicia and I have gotten most of our things that we feel the most strongly about from books. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, they started with a podcast. Yeah. The great thing about sharing podcasts is they're short, and they give people a taste. So like maybe you're, you know nanny isn't going to read a whole book yeah. but she'll totally listen to a 40 minute podcast yeah and and if they're interested then they can read more so you can say you know what something like and it's important i think this is just classic like communication tips right here if you're going to share somebody with somebody that you love and you want them it's important to help them not feel attacked so yeah. if you go to your loved one and you say you know what you are doing it all wrong I know that you were raised spanking and it's mm-hmm. terrible, mm-hmm. so you got to stop. Yeah. Um, they may not take that, like, the best way, and <laughs> it may not help them get in line with your parenting philosophy. Yes. Um, but if you can say something like, this is really important to me, the concept of our kids feeling safe. Mm-hmm. There's some really great research that backs it up, that if we want them to grow into emotionally healthy children, us expressing our emotions in a really healthy way is super important. So... Here's a podcast. It's, you know, this long. I just texted it to you. Would you be willing to listen to it? And then just talk about it. I totally uh-huh. want to know your opinion because I value your opinion mm-hmm. so much. So people always love hearing, wait, you value my opinion? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Because I want to hear saying, what you think about you're it. You're not yep. saying I'm so much better than you. Exactly. You're just saying, here, here's an idea. Let's talk about it. Yep. And, and that, that mindset switch because you then, in return, need to be open to... Like, turn off the I'm right about everything switch because obviously, like, we all have room to grow and change. And so be, being open to what they have to say also is yes, key. totally. Because they may have some really interesting uh-huh. perspectives uh-huh. that you have to be willing to talk. If, if you want them to listen to you, yeah, it's important for you to be willing to listen to them. Yep. And then the next tip, so sharing podcasts even, um, so with um, my spouse, I like to, if I'm reading a book... I'll say, here's the book. It's on audio. Listen to chapter 11 and 12. So taking it down, because for in our home, my main job is all the research and learning and all the things pertaining to our kids. That's like the main workload, if you will, that I take on in our home. So I don't expect that he will read all the books and do all the research like I do because that's just I'm not gonna 25 parenting books a year please (laughs) I'm not gonna read all the whatever his things are you know he reads books all the time about finance or whatever so if you were to send me a finance book I'd be like no so but if you were to send me a chapter so break it down Uh bite-sized pieces um and then also I think super key so we get a lot of questions about spouses because I I do think it's it's hard and our kids know how to work us, man. They know how to go back and forth with our weaknesses. So in those moments of discipline, so right in the moment, try your very best not to contradict your spouse in the moment with your kids there. Be a united force in that moment and model what you would like. So I'm trying to give a good example of this. Accepting your kids' emotions in the moment, but don't say... No, no, spouse, you're wrong about that. And get into an argument right there with your kids. Save it for a time later to have a talk about that situation. Yes. So an example, because you're trying to think of an example there. Like an example would be at the dinner table, me and Felicia have talked about this, that we never do the, 
just have one more bite yeah. or I'm going to force you to eat. Yeah. Like that's a really important thing for both of us. Yeah. And if, which none of our spouses do this, but if they were to say that, if yeah. they were to say, just take one more bite, I'm not going to write them and be like, everybody no. stop, give yeah. me a fork and throw it across the yeah. room. But I will that night say, I noticed you said take one more bite. And this is why to me, it's important that we allow our kids to manage their own, what we, we control what we put in front of them and then they get to control what they eat yep. for these reasons, you know, blah, 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 health later, yep. um, eating disorders later, all those kinds of things yep. in a really nice, like not attacking way, yep. but, but you're not going to be freaking out at them. Yeah, your kids. totally. You know? And something that always works for me with other people close to me, and it's really genuine because we, we're all on a path of progression, but saying something like, I can totally see where you were coming from with this. I used to think like that also. One of those phrases where it's where you're saying, I like I'm not the holy grail of parenting stuff. I just learned this. Um, and then explaining. So I, I just researched this. What do you think about that? Um, and I think that, <clears throat> yeah, just so humbling yourself a little bit to other people's ways of parenting, because parenting is such a sensitive thing. Yes. Like, if we've ever felt, even not from other people, but you read a book and you're like, oh no, I just ruined my kid. <laughs> like, I've never done that before. They're going to be just <laughs> totally ruined for life. We know they're resilient. And those situations with other people are huge. I almost sometimes love when my kids are disciplined by other people in different ways, because a lot of times, one, they're learning from it, and two, if it's something I'm completely against, I it's a really good like learning conversation later with my kids that I like to use. Like, so how did you feel then? Or whatever it was. I like to use it as a learning situation. So I think it's really good for our kids to experience other forms of communication and discipline. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think it's important to also note point out that I think the reason why we're all so sensitive when somebody else in any way implies or says to us that they don't think we think we should do something differently as a parent even when they're so well-meaning and that's why I think we need to go about these conversations with sensitivity ourselves because there is at least this is how I feel there's nothing in the world that I am trying to do well right in my whole life than parenting. Like if yep. there's one thing in my life that I want to work out, you <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Yep. It's that I want to be parenting how the best way for my kids. Because yep. we all want our kids, you know what I mean? We all just want yep. our kids to be able to grow up, to be, again, overall healthy people. Yep. And we're all, I think we all have this fear deep inside of us like, <laughs> what if we just mess it up? Yeah, you know? totally. So it's difficult for us to take any kind of, I think it's really difficult to take any kind of feedback about parenting totally and I think just remember that see like okay so I felt really sensitive uh-huh. when he said this yeah. about my parenting style so just keep that in mind when you are telling your spouse the same thing <laughs> yes because or your their grandparents they yes. all just it, it's sensitive for all of us because totally. we all just want the thing so yeah. badly you yeah. know we all just want to be doing like a core us. thing yep yeah okay and then ultimately I think um Something, if you can uh, take this in as a truth that really we can't change, we can't change anyone around us. We can share and we can be sensitive to their opinions and we can model, but we can only really be an example and 
maybe hope that it rubs off, but if you can take that in and realize you can't change anyone around you, you can't make them do any differently than they are, then you can find a lot of peace in that feeling that, you know what, I can only be present for my kids and do my very best and let go of that need to control Mm -hmm. other people because you can't. And when all else fails, I know this is what we always come back to, but it's all about just coming back to being present in the present moment with yourself and the awareness that you're bringing to the situation. So literally, if you're ever feeling that like judgment of like, oh my goodness, everybody around me is like, I wish I could just uh, shake. Um, Just come back to, okay, I am doing this because I feel strongly about it. I'm present here with my kids. I'm going to stand true to that. That's really what it is, all presence awareness. And I think it's also really important to just mention this. I know we mentioned at the beginning that in situations of abuse, this doesn't apply. And so I just want to make sure I um, clarify here that sometimes when you're working with other people in your kids' lives, there are times where the solution is perhaps to set a specific boundary. Uh So just like we talked about setting boundaries with kids, if there are adults in your life who you think are doing really damaging things in any way, yeah, you can set a boundary. Like, if you spank my child, uh-huh. we are not going to leave you alone with them. Yeah. That means, so maybe that means I'll come for Sunday dinner, but I'm going to find somebody else to watch them during the day, even yeah. though I really need your help. Or whatever. Yeah. Whatever. If you feel like it's like a really, like this to me is non-negotiable, actually boundary. a non-negotiable boundary, then it's okay to actually, or I mean... I mean, I know a lot of people who I truly love who have had members of their immediate family who are full-blown, I mean, really, really emotionally abusive, and they've actually just had to remove their entire family from their lives, right? Like, we actually can't, we actually can't spend this amount of time with you because of that. So, I just, and that isn't what we were talking about in this whole podcast, but I think it's important to note that you can set healthy boundaries, which may mean not being around damaging people. Yep. And that's okay. And explaining to them, this is why you behave in this way. So my mother had a narcissistic dad um, who was very damaging. And she, her therapist actually told her that you you can say things like, so this is what good behavior looks like. Mm -hmm. And if you do these three things, these are the, on the no list. Yeah. That means I'm going to pick up my children. We're going to walk out for the night. Like we're not like, so we'd actually still go over like, he was actually, I thought he was a great grandpa to me because she set these really healthy boundaries. Right. But there are a few times I remember, I didn't know what was happening, but also like she just picked us up and we all just left, left you know what I mean? Because yeah. he had crossed one of those boundaries that she had set. Yes. So there's nothing wrong in those situations to set a healthy boundary for yourself. Yeah. But pushing those abusive situations aside, yes. coming back to just difference in philosophies, have some grace for other people, model yourself, share and influence where you can. Um, but it really comes down to you just be your authentic, true self. Stay with what you know, what resonates with you, and be the best parent that you can be. And that's really all you can do. I love it. All right, let's find the magic. Another tip I just thought of that has to do with receiving feedback gracefully is the idea of just asking for feedback from those people who you value their opinions at specific times. So for example, I think grandparents are a really great candidate for this concept. Um, My parents and my in-laws are both parents who I admire a lot 
and they're actually both also very kind and very sensitive about giving feedback. I, I actually don't think either would ever criticize us unless we specifically asked for it. Um, I mean, they're, they're both very sensitive, which I really appreciate. But um, we've asked when our children were really small, we asked both of them, we said, we know parenting is really sensitive. And so if you just throw out a piece of feedback for us or a piece of criticism out of nowhere, you know, it may hurt our feelings a little bit. But we still want to know if you see something that we're doing that you think isn't going to be good for our children. Like, I actually want to have that opinion. So every once in a while, we're just going to ask you and we'll let you know ahead of time. Um, but we're going to ask for feedback on our parenting. So we try to do it once a year. I know that doesn't sound like very often. You could do it once a quarter or whatever. But we try to do it just about once a year. And we'll literally just say, hey, you know, when we're over on Sunday, after everybody else goes home, we're going to stay for an extra 10 minutes. We want to hear your feedback. Or when we go to dinner, you know, next month for my birthday, could we, could you think of some feedback for our parenting and give it to us? And the great thing about that is then when you go into the conversation, you're actually like emotionally ready to hear feedback, knowing that it's a sensitive issue, but you're asking for it and you're ready because you genuinely want to do the best for your kids and you want those people who you actually value their opinions, you actually want those opinions. So that's a really nice way to do it. And then the key, and again, this is from a communication specialist that we've worked with. Um, the key to that, when you ask for feedback, you listen, and then at the end, you say, thank you. And that's it. You don't have to like rehash what they just said or like, oh, well, this is actually why I do that. Blah, blah, blah. You don't need to do that. You just say thank you, and then you go home and you either internalize um, that feedback or you don't, but it's actually super helpful. And our parents and our in-laws have given us some really great, um, advice with that method, but it, it kind of makes so that ahead of time you're saying, you know, I, I can't really take feedback just out of nowhere. Cause it's kind of, you know, I'm, it, because parenting, we try so hard with, we're a little sensitive about it. So anyway, so that's a good tactic. Again, my parents and my in-laws honestly are so spectacular. I'm actually grateful we do it because I don't think they would give us criticism if it wasn't for that. So thank you, mom and dad and Dave and Joy. You guys are the best. But um, anyway, it's a good tip. Hope it helps. <clears throat> me, 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 me. <laughs> Brown cows. <laughs>